What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. They dragged his body outside of the city limits, presuming him to be dead. But there was no more life in him. When you get stoned that much, no, not this type of stone thrown uh, rocks at you. If, if that happens, if a few connect just the right way, there's no way you survive through something like that. So they dragged his body outside of the city because they didn't want to have to keep looking at that and wanted to keep the city clean. So they dragged it out of the city and left it where it was. Disciples came and, and followed after him and, and, and crowded around him, looking around and thinking, now what do we do? This guy that we've been uh, learning from is now bloody and on the ground, looks a lot like he's dead. But then all of a sudden, life, breath starts entering into his lungs and he, he gets up and in a, in a, he's confused and he gets up and, and he goes back into the city. Paul woke up or was revived, whatever it was. Either he died and came back to life or he was knocked unconscious by one of the rocks. But he gets breath back into his lungs, gets up bloodied, beaten he had just been stoned and he goes back into the city, heads around the area and continues to preach the gospel, putting uh, people in place that can take care of the church. And he is on a mission and he will stop at nothing to get this, mis- this, this gospel out this word out about who Jesus is, and he will not let anything stop him from, from, uh, from getting this message out. Paul will stop. Literally, death can't stop Paul, it seems like. We can find that in Acts chapter 14. He was preaching to the people in Galatia, uh, all of these different cities, Lystra, Derby, um, uh, Antioch and a couple others that I don't remember what the names are, uh, but he's preaching in these cities and he's, he's got his pal Barnabas with him and they're going out and they're preaching the gospel over and over. And as they're preaching, there's a sect of Jewish people that are following uh, Paul and Barnabas, kind of trying to clean up their mess, what they perceive to be a mess, following after them, trying to dissuade certain Christians of, of listening completely to Paul and trying to dissuade them away from this gospel of grace that he's preaching into more of, well, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to follow Jesus, that's great. Trust him with everything you have. You also got to have a little bit of surgery, though, if you want to be a part of our club. 
And so people were starting to get confused. I mean, Paul is preaching this beautiful message of grace that there's nothing that we can add. There's nothing that we can offer into this thing. It's only because of the, the, the shed blood of Jesus and his resurrection of why people are saved and, and why we get to have this relationship with him. That's what Paul is preaching. And then these, um, these, these Jewish people are coming along beside him or behind him and saying, actually, Paul, there's a few more things you need to do. And we find this in Acts chapter 14, before Paul gets stoned, uh, that's where we can, again, not, not the marijuana stoned, actually with rocks. He was hit with rocks, okay? Uh, so that's in Acts chapter 14, and I'm, we're going to start our, um, our, our, our talk today there. And if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to Acts chapter 14. Uh, we're going to get into Galatians, don't worry. But I, what I want to do with Galatians is also get us some backstory on what's happening here, uh, what's happening in the area, what's happening in the city, what is driving the force behind Paul's anger towards the Galatians right now. And you know what? If you get uh, rocks thrown at you because of what you're preaching and then uh, people turn on what you're saying and, and don't believe you anymore, I think you're going to get pretty upset, especially when you get rocks thrown at you so much that uh, people perceive you as dead. Now, it's up for debate. Was he actually dead or was he just unconscious? Figure that one out on your own. Much people, much smarter people than me have tried to figure that one out. Anyway, we want to get some backstory here on what's happening in this area, in this city. So Acts chapter 14, go with me on this, um, verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together, there's another city, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. This is Paul and Barnabas talking. They're, they're, when, when, when Luke is saying they entered together, he's talking about Paul and Barnabas. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, Lyca, we'll just call it Lyca, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. And guess what happened? After they left that area, they went to this place called Lystra. And, and Paul and Barnabas are preaching. There's a guy that got healed. Uh, and, and they thought that, that these guys were Greek gods. They thought that Barnabas was uh, Zeus. They thought that Paul, I think, was this god named Hermes, who was a speaker. I, I think that's right. I don't, I'm not great on Greek mythology, okay? Um, and, 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 and so they're like crowding around him. And then the Jewish people come alongside. No, that's not who. And, and Paul and Barnabas are saying, well, that's not us. We're just men of God. We're talking about Jesus. And so people got saved. And then, of course, the Jewish people come in, convert a few of them, and decide that they're going to now stone Paul. And that's where we started this story. So the Jewish people are following along in Galatians, in the area of Galatia. We've got our map again. In this whole area, right in this, re right in this region here, we've got this area that Paul and Barnabas are preaching to. That's where he's. Um, that's where he gets stoned. That's where he almost dies. And that's where they continue to preach. And that's where the Jewish people are persecuting. And that's where we find ourselves in Galatians chapter one. Now we covered the first five verses, understanding Paul is upset. 
And now we're going to find out even more uh, how, how much more upset Paul is here in, in these next four verses. That's right. We're only covering four verses in Galatians today, but I want to pick this apart. And next week, we're covering one verse, just one single verse next week in Galatians. That we're going to take a deep dive into this and... Um, so that's kind of the background of what's happening. We've got, we've got the, the Jewish people have come in, said you need to be circumcised. This is a term called legalism, where you need to add something onto the cross in order to be saved. Where you feel like if, this, if I don't do this, then I'm not actually a Christian. And, and a lot of us have, have faced this before in our lives. I was talking to somebody this week who was talking about uh, the way that they grew up, that if they didn't wear a dress a certain way, if they didn't, um, if, if, if they didn't uh, go to church this many times, if they didn't do this, if they didn't do that, if they watched certain things, if they had a TV, if they played cards, any of those things, they were in danger of not actually being a Christian. You know what that is? That is called legalism. Anything we add on to the the gospel is legalism. If we say anything other than Jesus, if we say Jesus and don't play cards, Jesus and don't do this, Jesus and you've got to be circumcised, that's what the Jewish people are saying. Jesus and whatever it is, anything other than Jesus is legalism. If we believe that there's anything other than Jesus and Jesus alone that can save us, it's legalism. And it's a cancer. And Paul understands that, especially, especially in a nice young church like this one. He's just set some people up. They're just getting rolling. The last thing he needs is something to come and muddy the waters of what it means to be a follower of Christ. He needed to keep the purity of the church what it was. Because the gospel was worth it. Jesus was worth it. And we're going to find out a little bit more about why this was so important. All right, so uh, we are in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul's saying, I'm blown away that you are deciding to go a different direction. Again, we see here that he is understandably upset. Every other letter he's written to, to the Romans, Corinthians, Thessalonians, Colossians, Ephesians, uh, all of those, Philippians, all of those letters, he, after the introduction, grace and peace to you, yada, 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 from our Lord Jesus Christ, every time after that, there's usually a sentence or two of thanksgiving. I thank my God every time I remember you, your generosity, all of those types of things. I used to use that sentence, um, I thank my God every time I remember you, because I was a good Baptist kid, I would send it to, 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 to a girlfriend. Like, oh man, you know, I thank my God every time I remember you. Like trying to be cute and romantic. I don't know. That's how we do it back in the day. And anyway, that's how Paul starts most of his messages out. I'm so thankful for you as a church. I'm so thankful for how you're, you're connecting with the gospel and you're moving it forward and you're, you're being the salt and light of the, the earth, all of those things. I'm so happy that you are being the church. Not so with the Galatians. Not at all. His first thing is, I I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. 
He goes right into them. He's basically, he's, he's calling them a, a traitor, a deserter. Like these are, these are military terms that he's referring to. Man, that you've deserted him, that you are so quickly, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ. He's talking about Jesus. How, how could you so quickly desert Christ? A military term of being a traitor or a deserter. I'm going to leave this battle. I'm going to leave this fight for something else. He's like, I, I, can't, I, I can't believe how quickly you're deserting this and turning to a different gospel. And a lot of us as Christians can go like, oh yeah, man, for sure. I, I, I understand completely why Paul's so upset. They're deserting the gospel, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and man, I just got to say, I, I feel like we as Christians do the same thing. In modern day United States of America, wherever you're watching this, um, followers of Christ today are doing the exact same thing. We are so quickly deserting the gospel. We are so quickly deserting Jesus and moving towards a different gospel. And the question becomes is which gospel am I following? Am I following the gospel of Christ or, or, or something else? Am I f- floating more my, my American ideas and, and, and what it means to be great in this country and, and how to, to, to be an American citizen and what it means to be an American citizen? Or is that my gospel? Or is it the gospel of Christ? How quickly we desert him who called us into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And and it might not be circumcision, it's probably not. (laughs) Happens when you're eight days old or whatever, when you're still in the hospital. It's not eight days old. I'm not even gonna touch that subject. Um, How quickly we, we are turning to a different gospel. Men in the church leaders in, in, in our cities and in our towns, we are deserting the gospel of Christ for something better. We're deserting it for our jobs. We're deserting it for uh, whatever makes us feel better about ourselves. We're deserting it for um, dessert. <laughs> I don't know, that's just made. We're deserting it for, um, for anything other than the gospel of Christ. This isn't just a Galatian problem. This isn't just a problem Paul is addressing to the Galatians. I think this is a problem for you and me today, how quickly we desert Christ. Right? Like the moment things start going well, it's like, okay, thanks thanks for that. If I need you later, I'll get a hold of you. Is that really what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? We desert his gospel more so than we would like to admit, I think. It's like, oh no, I'm in a bind. Boy, I got to get myself back to church. Life is not going for me very well. So I've got to make sure that I get back to church so I can get back right with God. And then the moment we do, we go back to church for a couple of weeks. We feel a little bit better about ourselves. And then it's like, you know, I I can miss a week. I can miss a men's group. I can miss a women's Bible study. I can miss uh, a a community group at Mondo's or wherever else it is. I can miss a, a sermon online. I can miss, I can miss, I can. And then we just start this path towards um, complacency. And our gospel message starts to look a little bit different. Yeah, sure, Jesus is cool, but you know what's better is the American dream, man. 
A, a bigger house is what's better. A, a, a better neighborhood, a bigger yard, a better car, a better uh, wife, a better, better kids, be- man, a, a better job. You know what? Those things are better than, than, than the gospel of Jesus. And so I'm going to abandon Jesus and go for those things. How dare we think that? Jesus says that we can only serve one master. You will love one and hate the other. Which one is it going to be? So which gospel are we following, church? It's like Paul speaking right to us. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. The gospel of Jesus is beautiful in that I don't have to be good enough. I don't need to wash myself up. I don't need to get myself clean before I come to Jesus. He knows who I am. He knows what I've done. All I ha- all, my, re- my responsibility is to simply come before him, confess, repent, and live for him. Believe, confess, repent. Believe, profess, confess with my mouth with my lips and and with my heart, that Jesus is Lord and he will forgive us of sins. And then the repentance is turning away from that sin and turning towards Jesus and then living a life for him. That's the gospel. We are sinful beings and there's nothing we can do to keep ourselves from sin. We We are going to sin. We are sinful beings. We have been sinful since the fall of man, since Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve. We have been sinful beings since that point. Uh, and, and then Moses came along and he, and he got the law from God, the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. And that showed us our sinfulness. It continued to show us our sinfulness. It showed us that we were flawed and we couldn't keep it. So then there was sacrifice involved. And, and so they would have to sacrifice an animal. They would have to kill uh, an unblemished sheep. Uh, the, the, the lamb, the un, unblemished lamb that was spotless. And, and they would offer that as a sacrifice. They would bring it to the temple. The priest would do the deed. And then it would be your confession of your sins. It would be your forgiveness of sins. That would happen year over year over year. And it was still never enough. You would have to continue to uh, sacrifice lambs until Jesus came. Jesus came and he lived a, a, a perfect life. He was born of, of the Virgin Mary. He was God. He left his throne came down, was born of, uh, by Mary, lived a perfect life for 33 years. At, year, at the age of 30, he started his public ministry, started performing miracles, and then people wanted to kill him, and Jesus let them do it because he knew that he was going to be the spotless lamb for you and for me. So Jesus was obedient even to the point of death on a cross. The Romans might think that they put him on the cross and the Jewish people might think that they put him on the cross, but no, 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 no. No, Jesus put himself on the cross because he knew that he had to pay this price. And so he became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He was the um, the, the spotless lamb. He took the place of the lamb and he took the place of us and our sin, living a perfect life. Every single law that was written down, he completed it to perfection. So now we are no longer under the law, but under grace. 
So Jesus died on the cross. He, he died a sinner's death for us, but he didn't stay dead. If he had stayed dead, he would have been like every other sacrifice. It wouldn't have been complete because someone had to defeat death as well. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Three days later, he rose again and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's enough for us. This gift of salvation is exactly that. It's a gift. It is grace. He poured out his love and his mercy and his grace. And we have forgiveness through that. Now, mercy is, is, is withholding punishment. We are guilty of something. Mercy is, is the withholding of punishment. Because of Jesus, there is a withholding of punishment on our lives, eternal punishment. And then uh, the grace of God, the grace of Jesus is even greater in that instead of, instead of getting what we deserve, God withholds judgment and offers us life. So grace is 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 getting something on top of that grace is um grace is is unmerited favor the grace is an unmerited favor that we don't deserve any of this and so that's the whole point is is this difference between legalism is and, and grace is 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 grace is unmerited favor we don't get we have no merit for this for this gift of what jesus did for us and and legalism will tell us that there is some sort of merit, that the cross wasn't enough, the resurrection wasn't enough. We need to add something to it. And a lot of us live our lives that way. And that's what Paul is speaking against. That's the, the, the grace, that's the gospel that, that Paul is saying, why are you so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel? Anything added to that is not gospel. So we don't give to earn favor. We don't do our tithes and our offerings so that we can earn favor from God. We don't, we don't serve on, on, at, at Feeding America. We don't serve on a weekend. We don't serve the homeless. We don't serve at Freedom Builders so that we can earn our way into heaven. There is no f earned favor. There's just favor. And it's always because of what he did for us. Okay, verse seven. <laughs> now you can see why we're only doing one verse next week. All right, verse seven. He kind of backtracks a little bit here. Not that there is another one, uh, talking about a different gospel, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. There's these Jewish people that are distorting the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ, we've already talked about it. It's he's, he died and rose again. He lived a perfect life. He completed the law for us. So we don't have to follow the law anymore. We'll follow Christ. If we follow Christ, we, we're already taking care of the law. That's the way it goes. We look at Christ. We look at what he did. The law is taken care of. If we follow Christ, we've taken care of the law. Now we're not going to do it perfectly. And that's the whole point. We're not going to do it perfectly, but we love him because of what he's done for us. And they're distorting the gospel. They're saying, hey, if you want to get saved, if you like, okay, here's the deal, guys. Uh, Paul told you like, okay, um, Jesus is the only way. Guys, we're so on, this is what the Jewish people are saying. Guys, we're so on board with that. Yeah, Jesus is the only way. And, and Paul, um, he, 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 good old brother Paul, right? He told you, he told you about the gospel, Yeah. 
And the people are like, yeah, yeah, he told us all about the gospel, about Jesus and how he died for our sins and rose again, and now he's in heaven, and we, we get to have a relationship with him. It's his grace that saved us. It's, 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 it's him. If we believe and we confess, then great. Like, oh, yeah, great. I'm so glad that Paul, Paul, Paul said that. Did, um, did he also mention anything about following the Mosaic law? Anything like that to, to, to you know, confirm your salvation, whatever? No, no, he didn't. He didn't say anything about that. Oh, man, you know, I, 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 he does this all the time. What Paul meant, he, he forgot about the, the, the little snippy snippy, the circumcision part. If y'all want to be followers of Jesus, I mean, there's a little, little surgery you got to have done. Oh, uh, we didn't... <laughs> That's what these people were coming alongside. Now, those are Brian thoughts. That's not exactly Bible, but we do know that they were coming along uh, behind Paul and Barnabas and saying, look, if you guys want to be saved, um, yes, Jesus is good, but you also have to follow all of these things. If we have to do it, so do you. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, there's a whole council that happens where, where uh, the, the apostles, all of them are gathered together and like, uh, what should we do about this circumcision thing? Because some people are thinking we should do it. Others are saying we don't have to with the Gentiles. We've never seen the gospel going to the Gentiles. In fact, we didn't really know that it was going to happen. Who knew, right? But now we, we have this issue that we got to take care of. So there was a whole conversation about it in Acts chapter 15. They're saying, they're, they're coming, and, and they came with a conclusion that no, you don't have to be circumcised. But Paul had to write this letter because they were confused. It's like this, okay? So the, the difference between legalism and grace, the gospel of grace, and, and why Paul is so upset here is, is this. When I was in high school, uh, I remember some of the Christian groups in the high school, I went to a public high school. Some of the, some of the groups would do, um, like we'd do outreach events or whatever. Like I came to a Bible study a couple of times, but I remember this one time there was a specific group that came and spoke. They did a pep assembly, like a motivational speaker type person, but he was also um, a, a Christian dude. And so he had that. And then he was like, hey, stay after school and we'll have a pizza party. And everybody's like, great. We love pizza because when you're in high school, like Little Caesar's pizza is the pinnacle of pizza. It might still be to this day, to be honest with you. And so they're having a pizza party while they were going to have a pizza party. So I show up. Uh, I'm a, a, like I said, a good Baptist kid, a couple of my friends are going, whatever, let's go to the school uh, after after school, let's stay at school, and they're going to have a pizza party, and this guy's going to be there, maybe we can meet him, say hi, whatever, thanks for talking. And so we get there, and and, and, and it was a, the, the classic bait and switch, where I was like, yeah, guys, oh man, you know, pizza's on its way, uh, and if you want pizza, here's what you're going to have to do. If you want this delicious Little Caesars pizza, the hot and ready, it wasn't a thing yet, but you want the hot and ready pizza, man, we want you to have pizza, but here's the thing, you have to listen to my little talk first before you can have the pizza. And everybody's looking around like, oh man, we got to have pizza. We just wanted the pizza. Now you got to say something to us. So this guy gives a whole gospel spiel. He's like, man, if you want to follow Jesus, here's the thing. You, you, you can follow Jesus and then we'll have pizza afterwards. All right, so, so there was something that the kids had to do. Us high schoolers had to do. We had to listen to the talk. We had to make a decision and then we could have pizza. It, 
that's legalism. It, that's pizza legalism, okay? Like, I want you to have this pizza, but in order to have this pizza, you need to listen to this talk first. That's legalism. If you want this pizza, you're going to have to listen to this talk first. If you want heaven, you're going to have to have a little surgery. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. We come up with so many things. I'm sure you've been... Um, exposed to some of those things. Oh, if, if, if I'm going to go to heaven, these are the things I have to do. I mean, there's whole religions based on this, that if you, if you only will do this and that, then you'll get to heaven. Christianity, the, the, the call of Jesus is the only one where he's like, um, I paid for it already. The pizza's already here. No, you don't have to do anything except believe. See, grace is this idea, the gospel is this idea that um, instead of waiting for the pizza to come at the end, that they just show up with pizza and we all get to eat as much pizza as we want. And then afterwards they're like, hey, can we, like, we would love it if you just sat and chatted with us for a little while. You don't have to. It's, I mean, the pizza's yours, whether you, you, you stay or not. That's the difference between legalism and obedience. Legalism and grace. There are things that we should be doing. There are, there are ideas that we should have. There are lifestyles that we should pursue. But not to earn God's favor, but because of what he's already done for us. Not to earn salvation, but because we are saved and now I want to live this way. And legalism has been a way to control people for a long time. Honestly, as a pastor, this, this scares me. I don't like giving this message necessarily because um, this, this message of grace is one where you can take it and you can use it as a weapon. Now, if you stick around, you're going to hear some more about grace and freedom and what it actually means to be free and what we should be doing with our freedom. That's going to be a few weeks later uh, once we finally get to chapter, uh, chapter 5, which, you know, might be 2025 by that time, but we're going to get there. That's That's the danger, though, is I, I don't have control over a congregation. No, well, if you do this, 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 then God will love you more. See, we can use that as a weapon to control people. But if I just say, look, Jesus loves you right where you're at. All you have to do is believe in him, accept his free gift of salvation, and you are a part of the body. And what you do after that is up to you. But if you truly believe, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we're going to do the things that he asks us to. Why? Because of the gift that he's given to us, because I love him so much for what he's done for me that I want to live my life for him. It's no longer that I'm, I, I, I want to live the life, I'm getting ahead of myself, I know. I, I'm no longer living a life that I want to live for me. I'm living it for him because of what he did for me. I'm going to remain in him. I'm going to love people around me because it's what he's called me to do and I love him. So I'm going to be obedient to him. I've already got the pizza and now I'm thankful for the guy who gave me pizza. Instead of, I got to listen to this whole spiel so that I can get pizza. It's a subtle difference, but I hope you understand it because we got more verses to go through. Basically, I, I mean, okay, but before we get there, sorry, I've got more scripture. Um, 
the gospel means good news. And he's saying in verse seven that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And some of us, we don't necessarily always see if it's true gospel. How do we know what true gospel is? There's so many people out there speaking and talking about, okay, this guy is going to say this, this guy's going to say this. And some of it sounds really good. You can go on YouTube and listen to a million sermons if you want to, and they're all going to be great. Well, no, that's not true. Some of them are going to be great. Um, there's really good speakers out there. Just because you're a good speaker doesn't mean you're pushing forth the gospel. And some people want to twist the gospel, like he's saying here. Want to distort the gospel, want to perverse the gospel. And, the, and a perversion of the gospel always has a little bit of truth mixed into it. I'm thinking of prosperity gospel. I'm thinking of people who say, you know what, whatever you want to believe is fine because we're all the same. We're all going to the same place anyway. That's not what the gospel teaches. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think a, a, a good way to know if it's a true gospel is, is Jesus the hero or does this guy or girl just want to hear themselves talk for 90 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is? It, 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 who's getting the glory here? Is this is the center of the story Jesus or is it something else or someone else? Is this just a little self-help book so that I can feel better about my life? Or is it this undying passion for Jesus Christ, a resurrected Lord? Is that what this is about? Or is it about something else? How can I get better in life? How can I get ahead in life? How can I have a better marriage? How can I have uh, all of these other things? If it's anything other than that, it's not the God. Now we can preach about all those other things, but Jesus is always the center of the story and Jesus is always the hero. If you want to understand what my messages are always about, I'm going to tell you it's always going to be about Jesus. And if it's ever something else, let me know. Paul talks about this in, in 1 Corinthians one of the letters he wrote to the Corinthians. He said, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Paul sums it up. If, if you want to know what the true gospel is, if anybody starts claiming anything other, other than Jesus, that's not true gospel. He's saying, here, who, who is Apollos? Who is, who is Paul? Y'all are talking about, like, and there's division. Remember, we talked about this last week, and the church in Corinth, they were having some issues with unity, and we talked about, Jesus says we are one church under Christ. Who's Apollos? Who's Paul? Who? No, 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 it's Jesus. See, I may have watered, or Apollos may have watered. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but it was God who gave the growth. All I'm doing is I'm just planting some seeds, and you might go to another church and get watered, and then, and then God's going to make it grow. I'm not going to make any seeds grow. I'm not going to be able to do any of that kind of stuff. It all is God. It's all Jesus. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. 
You want to know if somebody's preaching gospel? Who's the hero of this story? Well, I don't even know the gospel story. Then start reading your Bible. I beg you, start reading your Bible. That's the only way we're going to know what's real and what's not. You, you can listen to YouTube speakers. You can listen to people who call themselves pastors or priests or whatever it is. There's a few of them out there that sounds great. It sounds brilliant. It sounds really smart. But it's not preaching Jesus. And we've got to be careful of those people. So the best thing I can tell you is study the word. Study the Bible. Don't even take, don't take my word for it. Read the Bible for yourself. See it for yourself. When we were planning this message out, somebody brought up the idea of a, a counterfeit dollar. And I had to make sure that this was real. Uh, the, the, the counterfeit dollar, to, in order for people to detect if it's a counterfeit money, so there's um, Homeland Security, like all those people that like, uh, I think, I don't remember who it was. Anyway, uh, there's a department that checks currency to make sure that it's not counterfeit, that it's actually real money. And in the training of this for the, for the real money, they don't continue to look at all the counterfeit money. They look at a real $100 bill or a $20 bill or a $5 bill, whatever it is. Usually it's like $100 bills. And, and, and they'll identify, they'll study the $100 bill so much so they just know it. They'll do a few different things. They'll touch it, they'll tilt it, uh, they'll look at it, and they'll look through it. So those four things are what's going to do uh, that, that they're going to, now there's more to it, but for some reason, I, I don't know why this is, um, I couldn't find too many articles on <laughs> how to detect or how to know what true money actually is, how to, uh, how to, how to distinguish what true money is versus counterfeit. I, I guess random people, uh, they don't want random people having that information. I don't know why. Um, but anyway, I do know that those are a few things. They study true money, the actual currency, in order to detect anything that's false around it, to identify counterfeit money, they look at the true money. So they look at the, they, 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 go, they start with touch and they'll feel the dollar bill or whatever it is. There's a certain type of cotton paper, cotton-based paper that money is printed on. And so when you get counterfeit, it feels a little bit waxy. It's not the exact same counterfeit or exact same dollar bill uh, that they're feeling. The dollar bill has a, has a cottony feel to it. Um, and anything counterfeit usually has a little bit of a waxy feel. So they, then they'll tilt the money. Um, they'll, they'll bring it up to light, whatever. They'll tilt it. Uh, there's some optical changing color print stuff that changes colors, the way you angle it, the way you move, the way you do it. So there's, there's certain things that colors will change with your dollar bills. Uh, and then they'll look at it. There's microprinting on the lapel, at least on the $100 bill. There's a microprinting on the lapel of Benjamin Franklin. Um, I don't remember what it says, but uh, it has that. Then there's the serial numbers. There's a sequence of serial numbers that they get. So they, they understand. They start looking at the true dollar bill, and they can detect what is counterfeit based on what they know to be true. And then they'll look through the dollar bill. They'll hold it up to the light, look through it. There's a watermark, all that kind of stuff. We've probably seen that. You've seen your person at the checkout counter hold up the dollar bill to make sure it's, it's actual real. And it's the same way for us. 
when it comes to the gospel? How do we know when it's a counterfeit gospel? How do we know when it's a false preacher? How do we know when it's a false teacher? How do we know if that church is actually following Jesus? How do we know if that person is following Jesus and telling us this gospel? How do we know? How do, how do we know? And the only way we know is by knowing the true gospel. So study your Bible, please. <laughs> I've had conversations with people in the last couple of weeks um, after our men's groups, any other places where it's like, man, you know, they know the Bible better than a lot of Christians. And that bothers me. Some of us might be thinking, well, why would we, why would anyone want to counterfeit the gospel? I mean, it's good news. Literally, gospel means good news. Like Jesus died on the cross for us. Well, the gospel offends our pride, doesn't it? A lot of us think, I'm a good enough person. I'm a good person. I, I, can, I can get by on my own. I think I'm good enough. I don't need somebody to do something for me. So we counterfeit it. And we say, you got to do this. You got to do that. And especially in Paul's time here, they were, they were a little bit upset because they had to do some things that other guys didn't have to. And so they would come along behind them and say, hey, y'all got to do this too, just by the way. Men's ministry is not going to be a very strong ministry here at your church in Galatia, but this is the thing that we got to do. Okay, we got a couple more verses to get through. Verse 8. But even if we, let's wait for it to come up there. Maybe, there we go. But even if we, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That means let him be damned. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So within the very first nine verses in, in Galatians, Paul is saying that anybody who's preaching to you a different gospel, anyone who's preaching you a gospel contrary to what Jesus has done and what he said, if anybody's saying you've got to add this to be a Christian, you've got to do this to be a Christian, you've got to do this to be a Christian, if anybody's saying that, let him go to hell. Send them straight to hell. That's what this means, to be damned, to be accursed. It means, man, this guy is going, send him to hell. I don't care who it is. There's a double damning here. <laughs> let, him, let him be accursed once. And he's saying, even if it was an angel from heaven who's preaching you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him go to hell. He's saying, angel, <laughs> this is bold for God. Michael, Gabriel, whoever you are that's preaching a different gospel, if you're telling me that I have to do dot, dot, dot in order to be saved, if it's anything other than believe in Jesus Christ, then go, literally, go to hell. <laughs> Those are strong words from Paul. But do you blame him? Remember, we started this whole thing out with him getting thrown, uh, stones thrown at him and almost dying or maybe dying and coming back to life. So yeah, he's spent a lot of energy here and it is so important to get this right. He's saying if anybody's gonna preach anything contrary to this, they can go to hell. <laughs> so if you hear anyone preaching a gospel contrary to this, I, I, I think about maybe like the uh, Latter-day Saints. Sorry, Mormons. I don't think we have too many that are listening, but they, they feel that Joseph Smith heard from God, heard from an angel, like an angel came and told them to write more stuff down, that there was more to be added to it. it and that's not the gospel. Paul is preaching to that person. 
and, and, and not to go too extreme like that, but even in our own circles, if we're like, oh, you can't do that, otherwise you're not saved. Guys, growing up, alcohol was such a big deal for us that if you drank alcohol, you probably weren't a Christian. If you got tattoos, you were not a Christian. If you smoked, you definitely were not a Christian. All Like, how is that? Show me where that's at. Paul is defending the gospel. And he's saying, I don't care what people think. We're going to get to that next week. If the angels are preaching a gospel contrary to what Jesus taught, double damning. And guys, I'm telling you, if you hear me preaching a gospel contrary to Jesus, man, kick me out. Get a hold of the board. Let them know that I'm preaching heresy and throw me out. Paul experienced the true gospel. We're going to get to his story in two weeks. We're going to hear more about his story and how Paul got to be who he was and what he did. We're coming into a culture, a time where anybody's truth is right. Anything is okay. Follow your heart, whatever. And, and all of it is contrary to the gospel that Jesus taught. We just went through the series in the room. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. My love will remain in you if you abide in me. He says it 11 times. Remember, remain, 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 remain. 11 times Jesus told us to remain in him. If you want to be my follower, you remain in me. And anybody who preaches anything different than that can go to hell. That's how strongly Paul feels about this. See, what Paul's saying, what I'm saying to us today is that legalism is counterfeit gospel. Just like that dollar bill. Looking at a, what's the true gospel? Anything outside of that is counterfeit gospel. They're trying, and here in Galatians, they're trying to tell them to hold on to Judaism values in order to be saved. And as I alluded to earlier, we, we follow a counterfeit gospel of, of wealth, of success, of of anything and everything else. Legalism, every ism has something for you to do in order to be saved. Legalism says if you want to do this, you've got to do this to be saved. If you want to have this, then you've got to, if, if you want salvation, then that means that you can't do this, you can't do that. Or you've got to follow these strict rules that we have for you. And Jesus was saying, man, I'm here to set you free. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm here to set you free. Now what you do with that, that's when we can start talking about it. See, there is obedience. And there's a difference between obedience and legalism. Obedience, oh, obedience 
comes out of, thank you for what you've done for me. Now what can I do for you because of what you've done for me? Legalism is, what do I need to do to get you to like me? Again, is your pizza coming at the end of the, the night or the beginning? Legalism is counterfeit gospel. It's not even true gospel. It's anti-Christ. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's a, it's a method of control. And a lot of us grew up in that control. And now a lot of us are trying to use that freedom and we're abusing that freedom. And if, if you feel like, I'm just going to give you a warning. If you're thinking that you're getting away with everything, like, cool, I can do whatever I want. I can marry whoever I want. I can be whatever I want. I can believe whatever I want because Jesus is cool with everything. Uh, I would pump the brakes on that. Because we're going to look at what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. Again, that's chapter 5. You're not going to want to miss it. Grace is the true gospel. And that's hard to comprehend, isn't it? It's so basic, this idea of grace. And this is, I, I think, what, what brilliant people can't, like those really, really smart people on, on, that are preaching on the internet, this is what they don't understand is, how, how, how can it be so simple? Like, I just have to believe in Jesus and then that's it? That's what he says. And follow him. Grace, again, is unmerited favor. And that's what the gospel is. It's unmerited favor. And here's the deal. If we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be Christians, we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, it means our lives are going to look differently. Not because we have to, because we want to. And sooner or later, we're going to start looking at a lot like our leader. And whatever gospel you're following, that's whose leader you're going to look like. So you're looking at uh, the uh, uh, gospel of America, then you're going to follow politics, right? And you're going to look more like a politician. You're going to say the right things. You're going to do the, quote-unquote, say the right things, quote-unquote, do the right things for whoever you need to impress that day. Uh, are you following the gospel of 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 life I, I, or i mean like the, your work life to get ahead like financially well then i don't know maybe you'll start to look more like dave ramsey or warren buffett or some of these really really smart financial people and gurus and you're like oh man i'm going to start looking more and more like them we start looking like the leaders of our own gospel whoever whoever we believe in our gospel whoever we're we're following that's who we're going to start looking like i mean if you if you're following the gospel of 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 um <laughs> I'm not going to go there. It, it, sorry, it, you don't want to come in here sometimes. But if you're following the gospel of anything other than Jesus, you're going to start looking like that leader or that person or that thing. What does the gospel of grace look like? What does the gospel of Jesus look like? And am I looking more like Jesus every day or am I following a different gospel? That's the challenge for us. And you're thinking it's about time. Well, it's a podcast, vodcast. You can stop and pause it whenever you want to. It's faith alone. By grace alone. Through Christ alone. 
through the scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. So which gospel are you following? Are you letting that legalism slide in? Whose leader are you looking like? Lord, may we be a church, may we be a people that look like you. God, we wouldn't get distracted by all this other stuff and the things that we can follow and all these other quote-unquote gospels, Lord, but we would focus on the true gospel, the gospel of grace, the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for our sins and now lives again. God, may that be our gospel. May that be our life. May that be our direction. It's in your precious name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.